0: I will try not to make parting noises while you do this.
1: Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 79. With me, as always, my two not as tall co hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, everybody. This is Jess. That's a sh- foreshadowing. Also, we got what? Brian Prilliman. I'm 6'2.
2: I'm taller than most judges. Way, you're 6'2. I am 6'2".
1: Oh, anyway, this episode's a very special episode, and we have a very special guest, someone taller than everyone in the world combined, and the Magic Rules Manager, Matt Tabak. Hello, Matt.
0: Greetings, tiny humans.
1: (laughs) So I have, (laughs) yeah. so we don't have Matt for too long, so we have to hurry through, but I have basically a philosophy on height, and there's people like taller than me, and those are tall people, and anyone shorter than me is just a short person. Like, Brian, I don't know the difference between you and Turner, because you're both shorter than me.
0: There's a picture from Pro Tour. Uh, what, what Pro Tour was it? With uh, Turner and I, I was spotting. I yeah, will, I, I will have to find this. Okay. It, it, like Turner's forehead is barely in the frame. It's mostly <laughs> picture's mostly. It's,
2: it's it's if you put Tayback and Turner next to each other, it's like a semicolon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like a semicolon. It's a little
2: dot and then a, a long line. So so Matt. Uh, I have a very, very, I have a very, very important question for you. And let's just just cut right to it right and get it out of the way. Because, where do you stand on one or two spaces after the period in a sentence? This is important.
0: Uh, I tell you, when I first started with Wizards, I was probably due to my education, a firm believer in two spaces. But I have been shown the one true way. And that is one space.
2: I feel it like took I mean, forever
0: I like to when i was typing to train myself to just do one space but that's yeah i'm now a firm believer it's the way to go i still had a <laughs> really <laughs> hard time with it's that creep in everywhere i always
3: yeah I, I always learn the two spaces and it always looks wrong when it's not two spaces for me it's very weird yeah
0: no yeah i was the same way and then it kind of flipped one day i tell you what, guys this has been an awesome interview i really yeah great yeah
2: <laughs> know, uh, we got the one question out there so, so, Matt, um, What's up? B- before becoming rules manager for Wizards of the Coast, you were a
0: judge, correct? That is true. I came from the judge program. Um, I, and, oh, oh. Did you guys hear that? That was my email. I apologize. If, oh, fantastic. That showed up. It... Yes, I was. Uh, I retired as a level three judge. Um uh, they, Andy told me, Andy hacked, of course, uh, you know, told me once you come work for wizards, you know, people's participation declines. And and I, like everyone before me, was like, no, 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 that's not going to be me. I'm going to work 60 hours a week. We're making magic. This is awesome. On the weekends, I'm going to go down to a PTQ and I'm going to go, uh, you know, drive the local GP stuff. So, yeah, it didn't happen. Um, yeah. He was right. I kind of I kind of lost touch. One of the things is, when I came to work for Wizards, I, of course, moved up here to the Pacific Northwest. So I kind of had lost touch with my Magic community. Like, you know, I had my, my players and my fellow judges in Las Vegas. And then, uh, uh, you know, I moved up here, and it was kind of like starting anew. And, I mean, since then, I've, I've gotten in touch with the community and met lots of awesome people. But, yeah, I kind of fell out of active judging.
2: So that's that's interesting. I was not a i I guess I'd never really thought of it, uh, but I'd always assumed that like when you went to work for wizards, you kind of had to not uh, uh, or or give up judging in a in a sense. But it's it's good to know that you don't have to. I mean, you kind of do if you're working the sixty hour weeks. But
0: oh man, I don't I don't I don't know what the rules are. There might be a rule against that. Um, if there is, you didn't hear it from me. But uh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, no, you're not allowed just, to, not allowed it's to just play sort of magic. a life balance thing. I mean, I spend probably a good, you know, 50, at least 50 hours a week just working on magic. And then even in my free time, you know, we're always reading articles and hanging out and playing and doing whatever. And sometimes you just want a day off. It, it happens.
2: Yeah. Especially when football season rolls around, right?
0: It is football season for all you sports fans out there. Hopefully, when you hear this, it will still be football season.
1: Oh, it will be. We're not. We're not slow.
0: I just meant you know whatever. So, uh, controversy, um, but whatever. So you were uh,
2: good, Brian. So, so, um, as a level three judge, you were probably on staff at several pro tours. Uh, when, when did you, when did you retire from, uh, from wizards or I'm sorry, from, uh, retire from judging?
0: I retired from wizards in 2026. <laughs> uh, okay. was, I can, I can share that with you. That's fine. That's well established in the time annals. um, I probably stopped judging uh, right around 2008 was uh, probably my last event was in 07. Um, I went to work for Wizards August of 07 and did a couple events after that, but uh, may not have judged in 08 or later. So, but yes, I've certainly done my share of pro tours, uh, a lot of GPs, Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. If it was a GP on the US West Coast, I was likely there.
2: How is has how the like the pro tour scene changed because you probably go to them now just as a as a wizards personality, right?
0: Yeah, I've been to a, they, a few can- of them um, since they became, you know, private events, where really the focus has shifted to sort of the the coverage, the presentation, um which is really awesome. I mean, it just watching the dozens of people that make that work from behind the scenes is really amazing um the focus has much more become you know on the uh core judges that are there like right now the pro tour i mean this is like the upper echelon of organized magic events so Whereas Pro Tours were previously a great opportunity for, you know, local judges to come get some experience, you know, on the big stage, just stand in a room with hundreds of Magic players, the, which they may not have ever done before, and really get the sort of that big event feel. Pro Tours have kind of transitioned out of that role, and now Grand Prix really hit that spot, right? So Grand Prix is like when the show comes to town. Um, obviously, the number of Grand Prix's has increased a lot lately. I mean, it used to be you had to wait a couple months for one to be anywhere near you. And now it's practically every weekend if you, you know, there's one within not too long of a travel distance. So that's really where the local judges and the, the up-and-comers can get their sort of big event experience. So when you were brought on to so- Wizards—
1: Hey, I'm talking. What was your right. question? Hey. I'm hey.
0: sorry. I, it was a long Did you, time.
1: I thought he answered it. Yeah. Did I?
0: Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's how things changed. Yeah, you got that. You got it. So good. Awesome. How many points was that? Like interview four points. billion. Okay. Because I'm going up. I'm in a league right now with Rosewater and some of the other designers in interview uh, league. So.
2: Oh, okay. It's
0: important awesome. I do well.
2: Well, we can, we can inflate the points as well. Like, the whose line is it anyway?
1: Oh, my God. I love it. Rosewater yes. used to be a level four judge, so we could have like a... a Judge off. You know, back when judge levels didn't really mean anything.
0: Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was three that tells you anything.
2: <laughs> Aren't you now, though, level 9,000?
0: I have so, uh, advertised myself as level 9,000. I'm the rules bot 9,000. So there we uh, go. I'm pleased. I, I'm pleased as rules manager that I've, you know, gotten the opportunity to continue working with uh, some of the more senior judges, you know, crafting rules and policy, letting them know when we've made a card that's completely going to, you know, mess with them. <laughs>
1: bestow did you guys all right let's jump straight to it did you know bestow would be this
0: oh of course i read the cards
1: yeah (laughs) i just i didn't expect everyone even when it was spoiled i just didn't know people would have such a hard time
0: i mean the thing with bestow is and i've said this before it's it's a really fun mechanic it is awesome to play but it's kind of fighting against 20 years of history like we have trained players this is how auras work yeah this is just what you do and unfortunately a lot of that is you get two for one so bestow is like not hearing any of that noise it's like I'm gonna be awesome I don't care what your rules say so it really goes against the grain on what we've trained players so it's only natural that there's gonna be some confusion like your natural instincts are gonna point you in the wrong direction sometimes but I think once you get over that curve and you really like learn and you actually sit down and play the cards it's it's one of those mechanics where if you're just reading the cards like on gatherer at gatherer.wizards.com Com, the official magic card uh, database, uh, you look it up there and you just kind of like, that's confusing. I don't really get it. But then once you get it, you know, you sit down, you play, you get it in action, it kind of clicks. So when so you came- can
3: to uh, oh, ask mine <laughs> while we're still on the topic of bestow. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, first of all, thank you for being open on Twitter. You and I had a conversation on Twitter about bestow and how it works with certain things. So thank you for being responsive uh, on your Twitter about that. Um, but oh sure. Also, what's,
0: what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle, Jess?
3: Uh, at the Slam Dunks. We had a conversation ah, about okay. how Bruna and Bestow work together. Yeah. Um, how annoying. And,
0: blocking you now? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally willing to uh, uh, chat on various social media platforms. Uh, well, the que- the question I had is uh, with Bestow,
3: we know that it goes uh, if the target's illegal in resolution, it, it enters the battlefield as a creature uh, right. rather than an aura. Uh, Was there ever a time when you considered having it work differently where it would change while it was on the stack? Or oh yeah, like most that. certainly.
0: Um it went through several iterations. Uh one is the one that I really liked was where it was kind of like a Voke, you know, there was a an alternate cost and uh-huh. I think it might have been it might have been an additional cost at the time. I don't remember. The, that goes back and forth, but it entered the battlefield and then basically had a triggered ability that said, you know, if you paid the bestow cost, uh, I turn into an aura and attach me to a target creature. So where it was, you know, very flavorfully bestowing itself upon the creature R- rules wise i, I like that implementation one. the only problem with it is you start looking at the set as a whole and it really it was important that it played well with heroic yeah and heroic clearly does not want to uh trigger on abilities because equipment becomes insane etc cetera, etc cetera. Okay. so steer steered away from from that implementation
1: so when we attach one guy with bestow onto another guy we call yeah the, we say the guy has a bestow away
0: nice I like if that. you'd
1: like to start using that term around R and D, you you can it, have it.
0: It seriously <laughs> wants me to bring back ship as a creature type. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you can bestow away on your ship. I really want bestowaways on my pirate ship. <laughs> yes.
1: Alright, so when you were hired into Wizards, were you hired as the rules manager or were you hired uh, as like an editor or, or what was oh, your... role?
0: No. Um, so I came up to the Pacific Northwest to actually work for another game company um, mm-hmm. who, who shall re- remain nameless. Uh, but I left there for reasons that shall remain unspecified. Okay. Um, it's, it is possible, I certainly am not saying one way or the other, it's possible this company no longer exists. <laughs> uh, so I came to Wizards and actually I was, you know, really just sort of the mothership called, right? I was like, I, what do I, what do I know how to do in life? I know how to run magic events. You know, uh, I actually, I mean, I was a PTO in Vegas for a while. I was making, uh, my money running events and that was going reasonably well, but you know, kind of wanted to do more. So, um, Packed up, came up here, took a chance. Ended up at Wizards actually working in their uh, game support department, a.k.a. customer service, a.k.a. the nice folks that answer your calls and emails when you have problems or questions. Uh, Was mostly working with Magic Online because I was super familiar with the program, um, having been a player for so long. And it was weird. You could tell in the department, like, when I walked in the door, I knew more about Magic Online than most of the people that worked here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like they knew it, so like in my interview, they're like asking me rules questions. They're like, "How does trample work?" Like, <laughs> kind of getting a sense like you say you're familiar with magic, but let's see if that's true. Tell me how trample works. This was actually a question I was asked in my my job interview.
3: Really? Uh, like it wasn't yeah. something obscure like bending. It was how does trample work?
0: Yeah, it was it was really just how does trample work? But
1: trample, you know, it, it is a lot deeper than it seems on the surface.
0: True. I mean, you could put it on an instant, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well and, yeah and then who knows how it would work oh well that's, uh, that's we're, valid working game support for a little while um there was an opening on the editing team and actually it was a really weird kind of crazy uh random happenstance uh mark globus who's a producer uh, he came from the great designer search he's a producer inside magic r&d now um i'm sorry let me back up I had uh, Mark Gottlieb and I were friends, you know, we knew each other and I told him, hey, if you ever need some help or someone to, you know, just a second, third, eighth set of eyeballs on an FAQ that's coming out, I'd be happy to take a look. And he was like, great, sure, here, you know check out this. I think it was Lorwin was the FAQ. You know, read this. Give me some feedback. Blah, blah, blah. So I did that. Mark Globus heard about this and somehow got the impression that I had edited it because I was a professional editor. Uh-huh. None of this was actually true at the time. There was a spot on the editing team, so he worked out with my manager. Hey, why don't you come, you know, try your hand at editing for a while. So I did. I had no editing experience to speak of. I mean, I know some things about reading and writing from college, uh, but Turns out I was, you know, decent at it. So things went well, and I got hired on full time fast-forward some number of days later because my recollection for timing kind of sucks. And uh, Mark Gottlieb decided he didn't want to be rules manager anymore. He was going to step down and do something else. Card development or... I think he went to card development right afterwards and then back to design. Uh, and I was the most likely person to succeed him in R&D, so I got the gig and have been here ever since. Cool. And briefed. Yes. So
3: this, this might sound like a, a weird question, and I think I kind of know the answer, but what does a rules manager do on a daily basis
0: oh so i basically can break up my job into three parts uh one is look at cards that are in design or cards that the designers want to make and tell them if they'll work just give them advice like hey this ability you wrote doesn't quite do what you think it does did you perhaps (laughs) so things like that um the designers not as conversant with templating as one would think on the outside (laughs) So I'm I'm kind of like an advisor, right? I'm just like, here, you know, I work with designer. Assets move through design and development and editing and templating. I constantly work and just make sure everything is, you know, kept in line and what you'd expect. Uh, The other big part of my job is sort of document creation. So the release notes, the artist formerly known as FAQs, I write those. Uh, Oracle updates. So it's my job to maintain the Oracle database. So keeping up-to-date wordings for all cards, especially when they show up in prod, uh, products like duels of the planeswalkers or magic online um I'm sort of the caretaker of that database and then writing the actual the third part is the comprehensive rules themselves writing and revising those so
2: let me let me ask about writing and revising the rules like when you have something like bestow or the planeswalker rule or damage no longer on the stack from like back in M10. How do Uh, you, or what, what process do you use to figure out if you got everything, you know, like you can just go in and like, just here's the one rule that takes care of it. Let me strike that out. But how do you go through and determine like if there's any collateral damage or if there's any other places that you need to, to mess with?
0: uh, Some of it is just document review, just sort of going, Uh, just kind of having a real sense of what the various parts of the comp rules do and how they interact. Because the comp rules are redundant uh, to a degree. The document by design is built so where if you're looking something up, you can probably look in a variety of places and you'll either find the same information or through cross-references. You'll get a lot of redundancy there. So a lot of it is just uh, when I'm adding a new rule. Some of it, sometimes it starts from, well, what is this most like, right? Um, and there's sort of like hallmarks, like, well, this mechanic is a lot like evoke. Like bestow was kind of like I started with the evoke rules. It obviously ended up significantly different, but because it, it took kind of a weird implementation, it definitely does something that rules didn't do before. Um, But the document becomes somewhat formulaic after a while, so you can adjust rules based on how previous rules have behaved. Uh, Fortunately, I wasn't here for the M10 changes. Those changes were pretty massive. I I mean, I guess Double-Faced Cards is the the largest project I've worked on that was the most kind of pervasive, that touched the most sections. What What was the first set you were the Rules Manager for? uh that would be scars of mirrored no innistrad sorry oh okay so uh, so, so I, I took over while innistrad was in design so that was still the like set, but I, so that so you take all
3: set. all credit for that set success right
0: i take credit for uh innistrad forward <laughs> uh, um of course if you loved my work Please tell your friends. Word of mouth is very important to me. Uh, if for some reason you are unhappy or dissatisfied, shut up. It's only your opinion. Nobody cares. Oh.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> let me let me let me ask this. So. Uh, Mark Rosewater used to used to joke around that the previous rules manager, Mark Gottlieb, I think is how to pronounce his last name, yes. was his was his nemesis. And he's right. like, he was like, it's the designer's, it's the designer's job to say, I wanna do this, and it's the rules manager who says who's the bad guy and says, No, you can't do this, rah. But he hasn't really made that joke since you became rules manager. Why do you why do you think that is?
0: So we still very much have that sort of professional relationship. I mean, I often quip, it is the designer's job to make sure magic cards look nothing like magic cards have ever looked like ever before. And it's my job to make sure the magic cards look exactly like they've looked like for years. There's nothing here. You know what it does. Play and have fun. Gosh darn it. Uh, so we do sort of have that professional tension, although it's all in the name of making an awesome product. So it's a, when I say tension, it's not actually like a combative relationship. We, we, we work together awesomely. I think he's not made this joke, and I want to be very clear about this in case he's listening. I believe he has not made this joke because he is afraid. Yes. <laughs>
1: I'm sure he regularly I, listens. Because
0: he is a fearful... Little Frady Cat. That's the only word that comes to mind. Frady Cat. He is, he is quivering. Can I quote you on that off the show? I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, if you guys follow Mark on his uh, Tumblr or Twitter or Friendster or <laughs> Facebook or any one of his 17 uh, his podcasts, Google Plus, video podcasts, his DVD coming out this holiday season. Uh, if you if you interact with him in any of those these media, uh, he does a comic strip, a uh, daily comic strip on weekdays. Um, and there w- there were a few strips where I was in them portrayed as the Arch-Nemesis Rules Manager, but he's totally let it go. Oh. I, I can't explain it other than to say, Brady Cat.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how to follow that up with the question. Yeah. Um so have have there been any any cards that that uh that they've brought to you and you've uh, you've just been like I can't make this work in the rules or, yes. or are you able to
0: yes there have um I'm trying to think of one I can tell you about well, uh, certainly double face cards those clearly can't work that's Chris yeah. um
1: i I don't think it's so much can't as won't
0: yeah so so there's two ways to kind of look at it one is Taking the comp rules as sort of the legalistic document it is and the system that is magic rules, does the card work? Like, mm. yes, this works. And then part two, can we at all communicate this to players? That's the tricky part. Even if something technically works, if no one understands it, it's not going anywhere, right? That makes sense. Okay. In fact, I just killed a mechanic out of a set codenamed, i trying to think of which one it was. I think it was Louie.
3: Okay. So, Rose so Rosewater said that you guys get those confused all the time. Not you personally, but like Huey, Louie, Dewey, that people forget which order they're in. Is that true?
0: Uh, uh, that is true for some people. Um, I grew up watching DuckTales. Yes! <laughs> so, I get the order. <laughs> um, I did... dun Duckburg race cars, lasers, airplanes uh, in <laughs>
3: Uh, Sorry I, uh, I interrupted you. You were talking about a card from, from uh, I think you said Louie.
0: What was I talking about? Oh, I w. came up with a handy mnemonic uh, for remembering the order of the sets. Would oh. Would you like to hear my handy mnemonic? No, I would
1: love to hear your handy oh. mnemonic. The
0: order is Huey, Dewey, Louie. And you okay. know this because it's HDL. And that block raises my cholesterol.
1: <laughs> wow, that was too scientific <laughs> for me.
0: I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> My rewrite history. Ducktales. Woo-hoo.
2: It's. I have a feeling the delay is the Skype delay is going to play havoc with those duets. Whatever, it'll be fine. I,
0: I heard it totally fine. So. I mean, I have never in an interview before sung the Ducktales theme, so you guys are breaking new ground there. I got to tell you. Yes. Yeah,
1: finally, absolutely. Finally, Judge Cast comes out ahead. Need more Ducktales.
2: Um. <laughs> So uh, uh, let me ask: uh, Not only do you mess around with the rules and stuff like that, uh, you've also uh, a bit of an author, like uh, of fiction. Uh, oh dear! A few uh, a few months ago, you had a, a like a savor the flavor article where you wrote about
0: it's every-
1: uncharted realms. Is I, it
0: uncharted? It is uncharted realms.
1: Savor the flavor retired.
0: Savor okay. the flavor was the uh, non-fictional account of. Oh, that's that right. wasn't an actual story. I think it was talking oh, about the creative. Wait,
2: wait, yeah, you're saying this story didn't actually happen?
0: Well, I mean, I'm actually, uh, to give you some idea, I know most of the listeners have not been to Watsi, but I'm currently sitting in a conference room that is literally right outside the creative area. And I don't know if you guys have ever gotten this. I mean, I, I'm if you've seen me live and in person, as you have, uh, I'm pretty loud. So <laughs> I think Doug Beyer can actually hear me right now.
2: Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> So you wrote an article about everyone's favorite one-eyed homunculus of
0: I did I wrote a fibblethip story. Uh creative team member Adam Lee, who is responsible for much of many create when many great stories and awesome names and flavor texts that you find on your cards, uh came to me and said, "The people demand a fibblethip story and we think <laughs> you are the one to write it." That is literally what he said.
2: It, uh, is- is it because of just you know you share the the whole height thing?
0: I don't I don't know. Uh, Adam Lee is tall, if that's what you're saying.
2: No, flib- no, it's, flib- it's, oh, Philibert. Is,
0: uh, phib- is. Phib- is not as tall. No. Uh, tall for homunculus, though.
2: I think. Oh, okay, good. Oh, well, there we go. I, I always thought he, he was not pronounced.
0: Tall, but he comes in at like one foot seven. That's oh. maybe. I don't know.
1: It's in the style guide. I always thought he was pronounced. <laughs> Like, I thought that's what they were going for there.
0: Yeah, we, originally, that's how we pronounced it also, but we got sick of spitting on our computers. Yeah, I can imagine. And each other. So, Wizards, fun to play work. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, he uh, he asked me to write a story, um, in typical Matt Tabak fashion. Uh, Ten minutes before the deadline, I started <laughs> and uh, whipped up a story. So and people liked it, which I was really happy about. It was I, good. I liked uh, it. Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> there, the the fandom over the little homunculus is absolutely uh, amazing.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's just there's we, now we've said on record that he's not going to be a planeswalker. He is not capable of that. He is an artificial, artificially magically created being. Oh, like Karn? Yeah. Oh.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Nailed it in one, oh, sir. Because gotcha. <laughs> I, I, I got a lot of email that was like, when is his spark going to ignite? <laughs> and I'm like, what?
3: What? <laughs> uh, now I forgot
1: what I was going to say. <laughs> well, anyway. No, go ahead, Jess.
3: I was going to say, so you went from the judge program to Watsi, and there were others that that kind of did the same thing. But yeah. what's, what's uh, yeah. you know, other than the people who were there, or maybe including them, uh, h- how do people see the judge program inside which wizards? Wiz- Wiz-? Just quickly, like, what do oh, Wizards people think our, of the judge program?
0: I mean, I cannot properly put into words how much we love the judge program here. I mean, you guys are literally our army, right, on the ground in stores and communities everywhere. Um, just the amount of dedication and, and knowledge and expertise. Like It sounds like I'm reading this off a of card, but <laughs> seriously, you, you sit in meetings. we got like Andy Hecht. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of other people in that department I'm, I'm whiffing on. But uh, Eric, Scott Larrabee, all, all the organized play people, um, even within R&D, Aaron Forsyth, Eric Flower, uh, great respect. I mean, you guys, men and women, doing awesome, awesome things all the time. So we, we live and die by how our new players are treated. So we're we're super appreciative that judges are there, kind of flying the flag for us.
1: That question was really self-serving, guys.
0: It, I, it's really it, I, I, it it's really could have backfired. Yes, though personally, that we like, like more than anyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually if, if if I may say so, um, Florida Florida judges are oh. just a quick shout out to my my peeps in Florida
1: look at that so you're saying something positive about florida oh
0: yeah absolutely okay okay well it's hard
1: sometimes people you know no No, no. that's unusual (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) i have nothing negative to say about florida judges that i want on record so (laughs) (laughs)
1: um i i read your tumblr
0: thank you you tabak rules t-a-b-t-a-b-a-k r-u-l-e-s dot tumblr.com
1: yeah and we'll have a link to that in the show note
0: oh Uh, awesome
1: and I know you love hypotheticals, so
0: I do. If magic, uh, imagine I do. Yeah, like, I... what would you say if I did?
1: If if magic was completely rebooted tomorrow, are there any rules you would want to change? You know, mm-hmm. something that can't really be done now because we're too to have too much uh, inertia.
0: Yeah, I'll take a quick second. I, I I do have to let you guys know I got to run in just like yeah. a couple of minutes, but okay. So, I'll take a quick detour and tell you that it's funny when we talk about major changes because, I mean, a lot of people have the view like, well, we're here in year 20 and we got a lot of history. And we can't just, you know, can't just throw that under the bus. Right. On the other hand, we're here for the long haul, right? We honestly expect magic to outlive us all. And when you take that view, you're like, year 20, man, can't really make big changes now. But if it's like year 20 of 100 or year 20 of, you know, hopefully more than that, sometimes you got to, you know, do do what you got to to do you know m10 was a a result of a lot of that kind of thinking so but to get back to your specific question uh if i could reboot magic today things i would do with the rules yeah there's probably lots of little things i would do you know instant as a super type comes up a lot um uh maybe redo like i'm just trying to think off the top of my head there's probably a lot of things um uh i have talked uh, a little bit about how lands are played i would probably like to streamline that a little bit um I think if from day one there was just a mana phase that came after draw, where like, here is your one and only opportunity to play land. Like, That's interesting. Uh, I think um, in this alternate universe, I think it would have worked out just fine. Like, card designs would have adjusted. Fetch lands could still exist. You could still put lands onto the battlefield, whatever you were instructed to. But, like, here, play land now or don't. And Kaijudo uses that system from the Duel Masters, the other games we do. Um, I think that ends up being a little cleaner overall, so I think I would prefer that system. Um, That's not a change that I anticipate coming, though. (laughs) No, too, too, too big at this point. That's one of those. Oh, 20 years. Can't do it.
1: So do you guys have any burning final questions you want to throw out
2: there?
0: I I have one.
2: Okay, why is why is Cocoon deserving of so many rules updated, so many Oracle text updates?
0: So, um, before I answer your real question, as is my habit, I'm going to take a small detour. Um, Please do. I'm sure if you've noticed in the update bulletins, I have been changing fewer and fewer cards. Like, update bulletins used to be five-page things with, here's a million changes we made. And the last one was like, here are the three cards I looked at. Uh, So those cards are mostly off player and judge suggestions. Someone will email me or I'll do (laughs) something on Twitter or whatever. Like, hey, look at this card. Something is screwed up. And then we'll we'll vote on we we fix it. But more and more, we're kind of coming to a point where a lot of these older cards are just done. I don't want to look at Cocoon every set anymore. <laughs> like, whatever it is, it is. And let's just move on. Especially if it's appeared on Magic Online. that's Then it's just like locked, done. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, some of that is born of the philosophy that, you know, once players own cards, you don't want to mess with them too much. Sometimes you have to, but it's a fine line, you know, or Oracle is a system of competing priorities. There's no one true answer. If there were, we would have been done a long time ago. So, okay. All
1: right. So Matt, do you have any contact information you want to throw out there? You already mentioned your Tumblr and I'll put a link to everything. Um, like you, oh, your sure. Twitter. Appreciate
0: that. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, at Tayback rules. I felt so clever when I thought of that, you know, rules, <laughs> San Dimas high school football, and also I'm the rules manager. <laughs> Okay, I was it's thinking so was at the time is what I'm saying high school football rules yeah. Uh, yeah that is my twitter you can hit me up on tumblr uh, you can every time i write an article on the website there's a link at the bottom that says respond that somehow finds its way through the tubes to me i um, happy to answer questions or chat or whatever. And unfortunately, I don't have time to I, – I don't always have the time to answer everybody, but I try to at least steer you in the right direction if uh, I don't feel like answering your incredibly inane question. Oh, I mean your awesome question. <laughs> no, I, I really do love chatting with uh, players and judges, so – Please hit me up.
1: You're also on IRC as Tayback.
0: I am. uh, I'm on IRC right now on Fnet in the MTG Judge, MTG Rules channels as M underscore Tayback. I will... (laughs) I'm typing now. Hello. (laughs) Hello.
1: I'm not sure what that serves.
0: (laughs) What? So if you are stuck in the early 90s and still use IRC, you can often find me there. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I want to thank you for being on. We had... Oh, thanks, so many
0: more questions, so we we can have you on another time. We'll do it again tomorrow. It's okay. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) This is uh, podcast 79. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to block out numbers, say, 90 through 93, we should be able to cover most of the material.
2: Yeah, that seems fine. JudgeCast episode 80, Matt Tabak's drive from work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a good enough driver to split my attention that way. There'd be a lot of cursing if I podcast (laughs) driving. (laughs) That's a, um so what's thing about this rule is what the you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> no one to that. i i'd listen to drive to work and i think it might be it's very interesting but i think it might be more interesting if that happened
0: uh yes Mark, <laughs> mark's a family man i just that's that's the best way i can put it mark's a family man <laughs> right.
3: thank you for being on our show we really appreciate it
0: oh no problem anytime guys seriously thank i had you. a blast
1: so Matt Tayback, it's awesome huh
0: pretty much
1: yeah I look forward. He said he could be on in a future one. We'll see if he's lying at some point. Let's. Yes,
2: we will see. We will see. We will see. We will see. I kind of I kind of hope that that whole thing with uh, uh, calling Rosewater out, like Uh, some sort of like epic gods battle across all the social medias that we could just sit back and be like, look what we did. Yeah, I'm sure Rosewater will be blown away after listening to our podcast which we do regularly. We were the pebble that started the avalanche. <laughs> Just let it all fall.
1: But now we have to get down to the boring non-take things that we do. <sighs> yes. So, emails. You, you listeners, <sighs> uh uh First email comes from Andrew. He says, "Hi, I love the podcast. I was playing a game where I controlled Perforos God of the Forge and my devotion to red was exactly 5. My opponent plays a Tidebinder Mage, which taps a uh, target red or green creature and an opponent controls that creature doesn't untap during its controls, untap step for as long as you control Tidebinder Mage and chooses to target Perforos. Uh, the ability resolves and he proceeds to bounce my Boros Reckoner making Perforos cease being a creature. Does Perforos uh, untap? It will not untap." Nope. Didn't we? Didn't we have? This I, question? We may have already answered this question. But it
2: says October
1: thirtieth,
3: which is
2: after we recorded. We, we had
3: a we had a similar question come yeah. up uh, previously. I don't think it was the same one, but uh, yeah, this is this is pretty straightforward in that even though it says that creature doesn't untap, uh, it basically means that permanent. It only cares about it being a creature for whether or not the, the it's legal to target. After yeah. that, it no longer cares that it's your creature.
2: And the actual rule that supports this is like really crazy hard to find. Like it doesn't use any of the words that you would think that it would wor- use if you're going to control F through things. But it's in there. It's like, you know, like six oh something dot E I or something uh, in there. It's
1: yeah. Tabak. I'm sure he has all the rules memorized. He's, he's gone. You don't have to. I do. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe he'll listen. <laughs> we do. Maybe, we do. Maybe he'll listen to us. Maybe
2: he'll, well, listen. he'll turn it off right when his part's done. He's like, I don't care. Well, no, he'll so, listen so after really- a little bit afterwards to hear what we say about him. Yeah.
3: So this also works, for the record, uh, not necessarily with just type Mage, but anything that taps a creature and says it doesn't untap. This will also work with man lands or anything else that stops being a creature initially um, or after the initial uh, effect. So you'll see actually this come up surprisingly frequently in games of magic. Yeah.
2: And it's just it really says that creature just because of readability. Right. Because if they if they said that permanent, you'd be like, wait, what that permanent? What? No, it's a creature. Ninety nine point seven percent of the time. Right, 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 right.
1: Our next email comes from Dan Kegger. He says, hey, guys, math guy again with zero numbers involved this time. Woo hoo. I hate numbers. This occurred at the return to Ravnica for release. (laughs) I know it's been a while since then, but I figured it's worth asking about. I'm a level two. That's a number judge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just throw it out. Throw it out. He's done. (laughs) None of that. Uh, I was playing at this event at a non local store. Uh, But there were a few people there that he knew. One of the players was tearing up the event with a really good deck. I don't know the specifics of who asked or what happened, but it was discovered that the player had a surplus number of sideboard cards, and the player who had been next to him checked and noticed he was short some. Um, As a known judge, I sort of got roped into helping the store owner come to a ruling. I tried to keep any solid decision in the hands of the owner, since I wasn't a judge and was just a player. He means he wasn't the judge for for the event. Uh, Through investigation, the owner attempted to discover if the player knew at any point before the discovery was made that he had extra cards or more cards than he thought he should have. It was determined that he had noticed at some point, but elected not to say anything since he didn't know it was a big deal. It was determined it was non-malicious and just a stupid mistake, but when asked by the owner how to handle it, I felt it fell under unsporting conduct cheating, one of the examples being a player adds cards to his or her sealed pool. And despite being at regular, it was still a DQ-able offense. The player's statement was taken, and the event continued as scheduled. So his main concerns. Was the ruling handled correctly based on what was discovered during investigation? And was it proper to jump in and act as he did, despite not being on staff and actively participating in the event? So, as a reminder, this is a pre-release.
2: <laughs> yes.
3: Uh, Can can I jump in here and just address the second thing real quick? Yeah, go for it. Excuse me. Sorry. If you're a judge at an event, it's not correct to just insinuate yourself into the situation. But if you are brought on by the owner slash other staff and it's a regular REL event, that's probably okay yeah as long yeah. as it's like i would try to stay out of it if it was not if it was like my match i'd probably try to stay out of it mm-hmm. but but if it's not my match I, I would feel totally comfortable getting involved if the staff wants or needs to be involved yeah. but i what i wouldn't do is watch them doing something that i feel is wrong and jump up and be like no judge that's not how it works like don't insinuate yourself into their event but if they need your help and they want your help by all means help them absolutely. yeah i agree with
2: that 100 absolutely absolutely so now, so they gave the guy, uh, uh, they, they, it looks like what they booted him out for, for, uh, for, yep, cheating. for ch- cheating, cheating. So how do you guys feel about this?
1: Well, first off, uh, we can't, this is a regular event. So we can't look at the guidelines for unsupporting conduct cheating. Cause that is an IPG, um, infraction. So that's step one. Yep.
2: So what's, so we look at, so we look at the jar then. Yeah.
1: And under serious problems, it says, um, one of the things it says is intentionally and knowingly breaking or letting an opponent break game or tournament rules or a line. So I think on purpose, adding cards to your sideboard would probably fall underneath this uh, this line.
3: Uh, it, abs- it absolutely would. Yes. Um, and, and I could say that because I actually wrote that line. I'm quite proud of it. Um, <laughs> so it's... Uh, you know this is really the question that wasn't addressed in the original email is did this player know that you can't add cards to your sideboard yeah and he probably did know uh but there is the possible outcome that he maybe this is his first event and he doesn't know you're not allowed to add cards but he said likely he he knew the cards were there but it doesn't say that he knew that was illegal
2: yeah he says he
1: didn't think it was a big deal so i don't know exactly where that falls like
2: so if it's if it's if it was like he's he's playing you know black red and it's a few like a, a few jank white commons right then sure i can i can i can buy that but but, uh, you know, if he's playing black-red and he's run, he's got seven rares, you know, mm, yeah, you're going to have a much, much, much harder time believing me that you didn't think it was a big deal. Uh, Yeah,
3: I, I if this happened to me, given the description I have, which is obviously not complete, but given the description that I have, I think it was correct to disqualify him. But that with the caveat, I wasn't there. I hadn't talked to the player. Uh, I don't know the specifics of the situation. So it may not have been correct, but I think it was totally fine. Okay next but nope. did you have anything you want to add to that no next from
1: adam hey guys quick question If an effect like the one on pack rat puts a token that is a copy of a creature card on the battlefield does the token have a converted mana cost of zero or is its converted mana cost the same as that of the creature being copied
3: oh ah this is going to come a lot now in standard with pack rat seeing play uh, uh up against things like ratchet Bomb. finally uh, it's pack rat's day to shine <laughs> Um, so well yes the converted mana cost of tokens is zero unless that token is a copy of another permanent then it's just copying whatever the converted mana cost was of that permanent along with its other characteristics so in this case Packrat makes a c- token copy of itself which includes all of its characteristics including its mana cost
2: yep which means it works with devotion, devotion. you right. know I just realized something that I really wanted to talk to Tabek about.
1: No. The,
2: the, no, the fact that he got rid the, the rules change where expansion symbol is not a copyable character is not a characteristic anymore.
3: That was so long overdue.
2: I wanted to, <laughs> I I wanted that was like one of those things where I was like, I need to be like thank you, thank you, thank you for getting rid, eliminating those horrible questions involving you know, uh, my opponent has a sideboard, has a, a city of brass, city in a bottle in his sideboard. Am I allowed to go replace my city of brass with a fourth edition city of brass? Yeah. Shut up.
1: <laughs> Shut
2: up. Shut up.
1: Matt
3: Tabak said, don't worry about it. <laughs> Next email. Oh, I, I right. think that. Good. Well, in case you didn't know about this update that we're talking about. The way it was changed is that City of Brass and its ilk now refer to cards that were originally printed in the set that it mentions. Uh, and, and I think that's a much cleaner way of
2: handling that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's this this rule that lists all the cards that were first printed in uh, in those sets. <laughs> is there oh, really? Yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Th- those cards are, you know, blah, 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 wow. blah, blah. So it's yeah. just an entire set. Yeah, so for you rules nerds that really want to, like, memorize the CR, you get on that, okay?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can memorize all those Homeland cards for your apocalypse chime.
3: You know, I, there was a time where I wanted to go memorize the comprehensive rules, so then I realized that they just
2: changed too much. Yeah. A- and you, it's no. 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 That's that's No. Our next email. I thought that too. I made it to rule 102 and was like, no. (laughs) 102. 102. 102. There's a lot of stuff before 102, I gotta say. So, what's next, guys? (laughs) Hey,
1: well, yeah, what's next? (laughs) Our next email is from Stuart. Uh, He has a couple questions. He says, Uh Oh, it's an infinite loop. No, I'm not even reading that. If I have a Perforos in play and cast a second one, would I get a trigger from the first copy? Does it matter which I choose to sacrifice? So, the trigger in question here is, is, um, Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Perforos deals 2 damage to each opponent. Purphoros. Purphoros. Well,
3: so in 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 technically speaking in this example, no because they're not creatures. But assuming that you have enough devotion to make them creatures, yes, uh, you'd get a trigger. Oh, okay. Well,
1: it being a creature is not dependent, but a creature entering is. Right. So
2: So the second if the second one hits as a creature, it really doesn't matter if the first one is or isn't a creature. But I guess if the second one's hitting as a creature, then they're both creatures at that time. Uh, but yes, the uh, uh, when you cast the second one, if it's a creature, uh, you will get a trigger from the first copy.
1: Yep. And it doesn't matter and, which one you
2: choose to. And you don't sacrifice
1: it. You put it in the graveyard as a state-based action. There's a minor difference there. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, second question. I have a young pyromancer out which reads whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell put a 1/1 red elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Get a dude. And he casts epic experiment which I will summarize as basically exile the top cards of your library and then instants and sorceries that cost x or less you can cast them without paying their mana cost. Uh, for some number and cast a handful of spells as part of its resolution. When do I have to acknowledge the triggers off the young Pyromancer? I would presume it was after the complete resolution of Epic Experiment, and so they would all go on the stack after all the spells cast back Epic Experiment. I wanted to check.
3: So, your interpretation of this is pretty much correct. Okay. Uh, the the reader's interpretation, uh, yeah. or the, the writer's rather, is that Epic Experiment resolves and puts all of those spells on the stack on top of Epic Experiment. Epic Experiment finishes resolving, it goes to the graveyard, and then you put all of those triggers on the stack. Uh, the second thing I want to point out here is that I'm now going to start casting X spells for a handful on a
1: regular <laughs> basis.
2: <laughs> And
3: yeah, that's yeah. That. For some number and cast a handful of spell. Well, sure, I'm gonna cast. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cast martial coup for a handful. How much? Yeah, I just is... fireball you for a handful of so, red.
2: So Jess, <laughs> so Jess, I don't know if you, when you work in your sto- uh, the storefront, do you ever have the l- little kids that just come up and have like the just the big pile of money in their hands, and by a pile of money I mean like four crumpled up dollars, and they just go like, "How much is this many?" Because I used to work at a baseball card store and we get like the little kids that, you know, have can get like two packs of, you know, 1991 tops. And they're just like, how much is how much is this many?
3: That doesn't come up that often uh, as with with our clientele is actually mostly a little bit older. Um, we don't have a whole lot of little kids. Uh, and when we do, they're usually in there with their parents who are the ones paying for things. But uh, well, let's but just pretend that that does that can come up. Yeah, yeah. They just stuff a pile of money and they don't actually know how much it is. And they want to know, you know, a better question
2: or a question usually comes up with, like, how much can I get for this? And you're like, how yes. much of what? <laughs> yeah. And this this much, I'll pull my sweaty dollars out of my sock. Well, um, that happens. So that happens with our older clientele. You I, I don't I don't <laughs> doubt it. It's like his it sock dollar. You yeah, put it's that, like 20 year old guys like pulling up these, these sweaty, crumpled dollar bills from wherever. So let me ask you this. When you put it in the drawer, right? Do you put it in a special place so that if someone needs change, that's the first bill to go? Because I did that.
3: Can't answer that.
2: I did that a lot. I was like, you get the I, nasty
3: I'm, quarter. You get the nasty quarter first. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about uh specific procedures of
2: <laughs> uh, the company, but so uh but I like guy, that. This this guy he actually asked uh, wording slightly differently. Um he, he actually asked, um, when do I have to acknowledge the triggers of the young pyromancer? Okay, so per per the IPG, and so let's 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 talk the IPG. The IPG says that you need to acknowledge for these particular things because there is a visible change to the battlefield, a, a token coming into play, that, that you need to indicate that before going on and taking, taking other actions, um, which would be casting the spells from, uh, from the epic experiment. However, down at the bottom, there's where it talks about also taking into account out-of-order sequencing, okay? So if you did something along the lines of, you know, it's like you flip over, like, two spells, and, like, one of the spells is, like, let's, let's say you flipped over two healing salves, okay? And you wrote down on your sheet of paper, plus six life, and then put the two dudes into play, You technically did that out of order, but because you are allowed to uh, uh, because out of order sequencing exists and is a thing, uh, you get them.
1: That, uh, that segues into our next email pretty nicely. Does it? Which is titled, Out of Order Sequencing and Cover Letters. You know how those two things always go together.
2: Hold on, I just heard a crash from upstairs and my daughter yells, sorry. <laughs> There's no one else in the house, so I better go find out what's going on.
1: <laughs> That's okay, we're going to power through without you. That's funny. <laughs> Someone's about to be in trouble. All right, next email comes from Justin. Justin Cole he says, A long-time listener, first-time caller, emailer? Your podcast is amazing. It's been far, by far the most educational and entertaining magic resource I've encountered. I have two questions. One. Thank
3: you for that, first of all.
1: Yeah, thanks, Justin. Yay. The first is about applying for positions in judge apps. What sorts of information should we include in our cover letter? And what is the expected length, elaboration, and content? <gasps> bullet points, life stories, or what? I've been writing about two paragraphs about my experience, what events I've judged, which judges I've worked with, and why I want to judge the given event. Is there anything else I should include?
2: Social security numbers.
1: Yeah, they like that.
2: Um, please don't. I don't need <laughs> that information. What? Um, Shoot, I've been judging social security, bank account, um, where you hid the bodies, all of that. Uh, the short
3: answer is... As much information as as you can, really. Like if I if you're if you're applying for my event and I don't know who you are already, the more information you can give me that tells me wh- what kind of judge you are, who you've worked with, all that stuff is good. That being said, I'm probably gonna check on it. So don't exaggerate. <laughs> um, I've I've had people I don't know apply for an event saying that they've worked with me. Yeah. Um, don't, don't, you know, if you've tangentially worked with someone at an event somewhere, as in you were on the same event, but didn't actually work together, don't list them as a resource. Yeah. Um, uh, be honest, but include as much information as, as, as you can, that, that is true and honest.
2: So, so I'm actually going to take a, uh, or have a different take, which is fine. Um, my, uh, uh, cause different judge managers like and expect different things. Mm-hmm. Um, So when I've done staffing, the first thing that I tell people is if the judge manager asks for information, you provide that first succinctly, succinctly, clearly in bullet point form. You just – he asks for this. You go boom, 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 that. That's kind of your above the fold. Okay, Don't hide it in prose and make me read it to parse it out. Okay, Um, Just – don't make me work for the information I asked for because that's not going to – if if you're up against another candidate and all other things are equal, okay, all and I, like I said, all other things are equal, then the guy that irritated me less is, <laughs> is more likely to get on staff. Um, the second thing is and, – and I will agree with Jess is you want to provide enough information. Like if you've worked with people, you want to – your RC is going to read this. The judge manager is going to read this. Um, I would actually say write what you need to to help your to help for a GP the regional coordinator remember who you are okay uh, Names of names of judges that you've worked with as just said um, I wouldn't necessarily do as much as you can because if if you're confronted with a I'll say like a three four paragraph cover letter uh, It's 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 just it starts becoming a lot of words so, well, sure, but when it comes down to two candidates that might be equally
3: qualified that I know nothing about, the one who gives me the more information is probably going to be the one selected.
2: I'll, I'll, I'd be tended to, if I've got two candidates and they both, you know, I get to the point where I'm like, okay, this guy's run like three or four, worked like three or four competitive events. This guy's worked four or five. At, but, but And then they give me judges that they've worked with that I know and trust. I'm probably just going to call those guys and be like, tell me about this guy. Tell me about this guy and and then for, use that to formulate my opinion as well, because like one or two competitive events may or may not make that big of a deal in, in skill level. So, so what, what this is, to highlight is just has one method. I have another, other judge manager has another method. The guy staffing your PTQ in Wisconsin might have a completely different set of, uh, of criteria, but the, the, the big things are provide the information that they ask for. Uh, tell about yourself. If you're a relative unknown, give a way that they can find out more about you.
1: Indeed. OK, let's get on to his second question. Adam is playing against Nathan. Those guys play against each other a lot. In a competitive REL event, Nathan controls Burning Earth, which Burning Earth basically pings a player whenever they tap a non-basic land. Adam taps five non-basic lands and casts Obzodat, the Ghost Council. Adam asks, does it resolve? And Nathan replies, yes, I'm a mono-red deck. I can't counter it. Adam states, you take two life, I gain two from Obzodat's into the Battlefield trigger. Nathan states, okay, and you take five from Burning Earth. The uh, overall question here is, did he miss his Burning Earth triggers, or is this a case of -of out-of-order sequencing? This is a good question. (laughs) It is.
3: Um... In exactly the situation that is described, uh, I feel like we have a miss trigger. Uh, it's very burning earth is one of those that that we can often kind of shortcut through. Like you'll see players go slam an obsidette, you gain two, I lose two. Do you take five from the fr- from the burning earth? Oh yeah, I take five. Right. Um, and, and that's fine. In this situation, you have. You, you cast a spell, you wait for it to resolve, uh, you wait for a response, wait for it to resolve. You say, does this resolve? And he goes, yes, that resolves. And then you resolve the trigger from the Obsidat on top of that. And then they want to go back in time and get the trigger that was missed. At this point, it's it's a missed trigger. You're trying to go back in time and apply something that should have applied already. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree
1: with that. Um it, It's like you said, if they had just jammed Obsidat down and been like, you know, you take two. And you're like, well, wait, you gotta take the five uh, Burning Earth triggers, but
2: right. right. I, as active player, I can't, I can't advance, I can't push the game past your trigger and be like, ha ha, you missed it. So I'm like, Obsidat, take two. hold on, whoa, 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 wait a second, Burning Earth. Um, but in this in this particular case, we have a, a, a trigger that affects uh, affects the game in a in a visible way, you know, i.e. life. And, you know, the guy was asked, can we advance past this point? Yes, we can advance past this point. Okay. And he even makes a point. It was like, well, of course we can advance past it. I can't interact with you in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Well, then now we're here. Right. Yep. Okay. Now, why can't we say this is out of order sequencing?
3: Out of order sequencing is designed to protect players against their own sloppy play. And it's also designed to help us play a correct game of magic without being technically detailed to an extreme fashion um neither of these is the situation that we're we're describing here it, it, out of order sequencing would apply as we already discussed in a situation where we're doing these things quickly in this situation there's there's potential for uh, knowledge to be gained information to pass back and forth about what players are doing and then we've gone past the point where the triggers resolve or would resolve so they are missed is that specific enough or yeah, was i unclear
1: like yeah, that's time. fine. That's fine. That's cool. Everything's cool. All right, that's our last email. If you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast or visit our website at judgecast.com. So we got a contest going on, gentlemen. We do. As a reminder, it's called the Build-A-Bear competition. I forgot to build a bear cub. Build-A-Bear-Cub. a bear cub detition And... That was bad. That was really bad. Um, and the contest is just basically to build a better bear cub out there. Whatever that means to you, that's up to you. Uh, we've received a ton of entries already. I think much more than any of us were expecting at this point.
3: Nope. Yes, and I love all of that. Bear, yeah, me too. They're all awesome. Um,
1: as a reminder, Magic Set Editor could be a good friend to you in this uh, if you want to enter our competition.
3: For those of you that don't yep. know, Magic Set Editor is a way for you to make your own casual cards just for fun uh and it has a lot of the templating built into it so if you use that it's much easier than say trying to use photoshop or god forbid ms paint to try (laughs) and create your own cards um so
1: with the contest last time we said we would announce a deadline and we will do that now here we go three two one sunday november 24th will be the deadline of this contest so have all your entries in by then and we will announce the winner on the episode that comes later that week you can submit your articles by emailing them to us at judgecast at gmail.com Your
2: articles? Yeah, you're writing, writing your story on a you know
1: That'll be another contest. So Bob, Bob the Bear, the
2: bear <laughs> <laughs> found himself
1: lost one day in the woods. <laughs> uh so you can submit them to us at judgecast at gmail.com. To be clear, they must be pictures of cards, not articles about cards. Or you can post them on Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page, you will see a a thread already going where you could post yours as well. Um, also, when these are done, we're definitely going to collect these somewhere so everyone can see all of them at once. Yeah, I'll work on that tonight, so you'll
2: know when we recorded. Oh, don't oh, just don't post it tonight. Oh, uh, time, as a, time. As a note, uh, I can't speak for
3: for Brian and CJ, but in my opinion, if it's amusing, it's probably going to get points over
2: those that are not. <laughs> That's most likely true. <laughs> that that is. That is true. I mean, this is, I mean, we're, we're talking about, it's a, it's a bear cub. That being so, said, again, I
3: can't speak for Brandon CJ, but I care about power level. If your card, you know, kills <laughs> the other
2: player immediately and costs two mana, it doesn't work. That was, that was, you did that. Like, I put just a sample card up there and you're like, oh, it should cost three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think two is too unreasonable the way magic creatures in green have been going. For right. that card.
3: So your and argument it, was your argument was the the bestow creature leaf crown dryad leaf crown dryad yeah rad, yay, okay it has reach it does a thing but the thing it does costs
2: four. I'm saying all that we're the almost that there.
3: Okay. And it's an enchantment and enchantments are easier to kill especially. in So this isn't set. there
2: isn't there a rare from one of the return to ravnica which is like a it's a two two for one in a green where it has like reach and flash and can't be countered right for one and a two it's a rare so my i didn't get the the rarity right or,
1: <laughs> you can make a land called bear cubicle and it has a little picture of a bear in a suit and he's sitting in a cubicle
2: what's that i'm going to look that card up it's something lasher i think <laughs> skylasher <laughs> skylasher oh you got real yeah. quiet when i brought that card up huh <laughs> <laughs> well it's a rare that's what? different yeah it's it's flash can't be countered region has protection from blue I give a bear cub, what is it? I gave it I gave it uh, reach, reach and and uh oh man, I don't even remember. Yeah, oh and yeah. forest walk. I gave it reach and forest oh, walk. Oh yeah,
1: forest walk. Oh yeah. Oh. I mean Riverboat was a two one for one in a green with
2: Island Walk and Regenerate. In
3: a rare, I probably oh, wouldn't have complained.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that it was under it's not that it was under costed, it was under costed for its commonality. Yes. Okay, green. well, how about I make it mythic and make it only cost one green? You should have Well, that's just that. a bad mythic, and I hate those.
3: <laughs> 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 anyway. All right. Do you guys
1: have anything else you want to say? Not about bear cubs?
3: I do. I have a okay. question. What, what's so we were talking about uh, uh, cover letters for judging events. OK. And we were saying, you know, if you're unknown, this is what you do. But once you start to get known by the judge community, especially the judge community in your area, there's a very good chance that you'll be uh, that the person that's reading the applications knows who you are. And sometimes when that happens people put ridiculous things in their applications. So I was wondering what's the most ridiculous thing either of you have said in an application? Oh,
1: I uh, posted very old stories. I posted old links to my live journal back from
2: when live journal was a thing. You sent that to me. I got that. No, I sent
1: it to Sabin. Nicholas no, no, Sabin. Well
2: no, oh, uh, for Atlanta. Yes.
1: Yeah, I got I got to read I got
2: to comment on those
1: applications. Yeah. I sent because when I had a live journal, um, he, sends,
2: he sends like pictures to <laughs> links to Cat Fancy magazine.
1: No, I didn't. And uh, I I wrote these stories when I was a kid. Um, you know what? I'll read one. Why not? I wrote these stories when I was a kid. They're all one page long. Uh, let's choose Halloween Day. That's that's pretty close to the date. That's the name of the story. There was a guy with no head, one eye, one mouth, and no nose. And a dragon flew by and kicked his hand and neck. The man said, ouch, and the dragon had spikes on him. That's my story. I submitted all of these from my life journal. It has a sequel. I'm reading it. It was Halloween day. There was an invisible witch there. There was a person that took off his head. There was a ghost there in the tree. The ghost talked to the man. The ghost said, where's your head? The man said, it's right here. The end. They also have illustrations. So I wrote these when I was a small child. Did I make that point clear? No,
2: (laughs) that point's relevant to everything here. No, the the strangest one. So so there's. Typically, I write things like, you know, I look, guys, I know you and you know me, so there's really nothing I can put in here that's going to change your opinion either way. You're either going to staff me or not, so bananas, you know. Bananas. Yeah, or if it's an event that I'm working, I'm, I'll be like, hey, me, I'd really like to work my event. Uh, I have various. Comp- oh no, no, no! I've actually written cover letters in in the style of of an L one. You know mm-hmm. where it's like, hi, my name is Brian. Um, I've worked, and then I only list like a GPT. You I know? work Friday. Night, I work Friday night magic every week. I, w- I work Friday. You know, I work the occasional Friday night magic. I did a GPT two weeks ago with this other judge. Um. I think I could really get a lot out of the event, you know, that kind of thing.
3: So, so recently for an event, and I won't say what event it was, (laughs) uh, my application basically says, here's the things I can do. Um, and then after that, it says, a job that I haven't yet done that I'd like to try is Rodeo Clown. Since <laughs> it seems both exciting and challenging. This is especially true if you can let a real bull loose into the tournament hall. I've done Class Clown before with great success, so I feel like this is a really good step up. And I also heard it's on the secret <laughs> checklist. You know, the checklist of things you really have to do to get out 3
2: That's funny. It's a real
3: step
1: up
2: from so, Class Clown. So- <laughs> so hold on. I'm going to I'm going to caveat this. OK, we're we're joking around. OK, only if you know the judge manager will appreciate something like this, because yes. I do know that there are judge managers that hate
3: that.
1: Yeah, I have basically only done this when applying to something run by Brian Prilliman or Nicholas Saban. I have not done it with any other judge manager.
3: You can get away with it with me if I know you.
1: OK, I think you know me. I've worked at an event with you
3: You worked at an event while I was present. Yeah, I wasn't actually I've worked event. at an event with you.
2: So the the it. funniest the funniest one I've actually gotten was for a Grand Prix in, in my region, Justin Turner, who's the regional coordinator and who has God powers on Judge Apps. He actually, in his application, was ship it, and then he went in and added himself to the staff – the event. And, <laughs>
3: anyway, um, I got one from, so, uh, from from a judge named Casey Brefka, yeah. who is yes, uh, he's he, an L three judge now, but he was L two at the time. And uh, in it, among other things, it said that he wanted to do whatever Eric Levine wanted to do, so that he couldn't. Yeah, that's funny.
1: All right. I think we can wrap up the show now.
2: I hear no <laughs> okay. objections. Here's, here's an old one. We'll work for food. <sighs> yeah. Okay. This def- definitely makes you, you know, makes you know the guy because then it's, it's whatever you put isn't really, you know, uh, uh, relevant. However, I will add the caveat of if they ask for specific information, still provide that.
1: Yes, I always, you- I yes. always do. I always do. Even when I put off the silly stuff. All right, well, once again, thanks to everybody for listening. We love each and every one of you the exact same amount. Also, thanks for Matt Tabak for being on. We love him more than each one of you listening. Beyond that,
2: I'm CJ Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Pullman. I keep it blathering bladder reference is it i didn't know that it's gizmo duck it's gizmo duck it's how he summoned his armor that's really funny then (laughs) jeez